it's actually recording this time. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Um, hello, everyone. This yeah. is uh, Talk Bookie to Me. Uh, this is our mid-month episode for November. Um, we're hopefully putting this out on November 15th for everybody. Right. So, as long as everything goes according to plan. Right. Um, <laughs> so this is a discussion-based podcast about books and all kind of book-related things. Um, two hosts, uh, I am Aaron, and I'm here with co-host... Felicia. All right. And uh, so this is the kind of focus of this episode is going to be catching up on our reading for the middle of the month, a little bit about our TBR, maybe give some recommendations, just kind of see where we are for our overall theme of uh, indigenous literature and fiction literature. Uh, We call this one True Voices um, to sort of split the month between the two themes itself. So um, we're going to start things off with a couple of recommendations or some news related things and like our recent purchases so do you want to kick us off with that oh uh, yeah so i'll start with the things that i've purchased um we went to charleston this past weekend and there's a books well there was a few bookstores but the bookstore that i purchased from was called buxton books i got the butchering art which is about like victorian medicine by Lindsay. Can't write. I can't read my own handwriting. <laughs> oh yeah, You said Buxton books, by the way. Did Buxton? you? You didn't get anything at Blue Bicycle. Mm-mm. Oh, okay. It was too crowded. Yeah, it was a small store, but it's like very tight in there. Yeah, but... it was almost like, like a, like the width of two semi trailers. <laughs> right. And then back. <laughs> they had great stuff though. Yeah, That's they the did. problem. Is yeah. like, but uh, I mean, well. We should probably say, before we totally get into this, uh, we went to a, a festival in Charleston, South Carolina. It was Y'all Fest. We're going to have a special episode out about that. Um, so we're not going to get into details about it. But Blue Bicycle is one of the stores that we went to for that. And they that. hosted Y'all Fest. So, yeah. of course, it was, like, crazy because their courtyard is, is where there was signings and stuff. So, like, obviously yeah. people were kind of coming in there. To get the books to sign. So that right. makes sense that it was crazy. Right. I just think it would be good to give that context yeah, for everybody. I, I didn't think about that either. So. <laughs> All right. So, uh, but anyway, go ahead and tell us about um, the book. Fitz Harris is, is what I think my handwriting says. Um, <laughs> I also bought Black Sheep by Rachel Harrison. If you remember me talking uh, last month, I read Such Sharp Teeth by mm-hmm. her. And so I got that. Um, the... The butchering art is signed, and then Mary Kay Andrews signed the home records, which I also bought from there. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Target was doing a buy two get one free, so I bought Trial of the Sun Queen by Nisha Tooley and A December to Remember by Jenny Bayless, and I spelled remember wrong. Also, the wow oddest looking Target I've ever been into in my life. Oh my gosh, it was so small, and it was at the corner. Of like an old historical building, right? Well, we were downtown. I that's cannot the thing. even like think that. of like a compare, like a Walgreens, like right. a large Walgreens is what it reminded me of. Yeah, well, it's one of those stores. Small Target, large Walgreens. <laughs> it's one of those locations where they. It, it seems like they're trying to keep everything like within the same aesthetic. Yeah. So it just they try to make all the buildings look uniform. But it's whenever you have like weird commercial, mm-hmm. uh, you know, chains like Target or Walmart or something, it just feels weird. I that those will look say I'm glad it wasn't a Walmart. That's fair. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why, but Target felt right for the corner. Okay. <laughs> Such a weird way to put that. And so that is, that. those are the books that I purchased. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have some news. I don't know if you want me to go ahead and go on with the news. Well, I could throw out the few books that, I mean, you bought these for me. Um, I didn't purchase any books uh, so far this month. Um, <laughs> but you got a couple of books for me. One of the Target books, because I had to buy two, get one free, right? Mm-hmm. Um is Alone With You in the Ether. Um, that's uh, Olivia Blake. How would you pronounce that? I have no idea. They, pr- I've heard people do like Olivy. Yeah, it's O-L-I-V-I-E. Yeah. So, but I'm sorry. No, regardless, <laughs> it's fine. Um, and then the other one is uh, Late Migrations, uh, A Natural History of Love and Loss by Margaret Wrinkle. And this is a signed copy. Um, that was from the same bookstore, Buxton that Buxton bookstore. bookstore. Yeah. Yeah. What was that one about again? I can't, I really can't remember. Wasn't it like, I don't know, essays? Yeah. I know you really liked that one. Yeah. I was like really into, cause we, I mean, obviously we looked at so many of these to like see what the concepts were and mm-hmm. everything, but in so many of them like reach out to us. Um, it's kind of titled a nature memoir, um, but it basically, uh, I'll just read this small little blurb here. Uh, growing, growing up in Alabama, Wrinkle was a devoted reader and explorer of riverbeds and red dirt roads and a fiercely loved daughter. Here, in brief essays, she traces a tender and honest portrait of her complicated parents, her exuberant, creative mother, her steady, supportive father, and of the bittersweet moments that accompany a child's transition to caregiver. So, yeah, that one sounded really good. Yeah. It's very thin. Uh, <laughs> looks like it's pretty precise. Great cover. A lot of like flora, fauna, creatures on it. I birds. really hope that it's like, yeah. I know it looks thin, but I, I hope it's one of those like Final Empire Mistborn situations where it looks thin, but it actually has like 500 pages. Well, <laughs> I hope that's not the case, but that's <laughs> funny that you're saying that. No, okay, yeah, this is fine. It's like two two twenty eight. Oh, perfect. Two twenty eight. Yeah. That's right in my wheelhouse. Like, yeah, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> all right, but uh, those are all the books that I that I got so far this month. I mean, even on the trip, I there were multiple books that I saw that I wanted, but like I just couldn't bring myself well, to pull the trigger we're on also them. Also going yeah. on a, a book buying ban until yeah. the end of. Well, until after Christmas. Yeah, until after the holidays, <laughs> because we have to make sure that we leave our kind of uh, uh, our shelves open for people to purchase things for us. So. Well, it also gets a little more difficult for us to purchase because we'll go ahead and like I'll go ahead and say we do a, a twelve days of Christmas. Mm-hmm. Eleven of the twelve are going to be books, right? And so if we keep buying books, if I keep buying books, it'll be harder. <laughs> For Aaron to buy me books for that twelve, right? Yeah, so we we definitely have a pretty pretty strict book buying ban in place. Yeah. So it was the Charleston trip was the last time that I'm gonna buy books until mm-hmm. the day after Christmas. I love how you say that, <laughs> and I just know it's not true. That's uh, like like I can hear you say that in my brain. I'm just like I know that's a no, lie. I need but to. yeah, no, you need to, but that's not the way it's Except gonna go. But that. Book Warehouse is doing a big sale next week. Right. And I really want to go. Oh, wait. Oh, gosh. There's so much to do. Because yeah. the library's also doing a sale this Sunday. Oh, that's funny. And yeah. I want to go to that, too. Right. 
crazy how that happens. Yeah. Okay, anyway, um, we should move on to news <laughs> yes, at this point. <laughs> I do have news. Um, so, on my research, I googled book news. <laughs> the first thing that came up is that Pink is going to be giving away 2,000 banned books at her Florida concerts, which oh. I think is really cool. I, I'm more surprised that she still has concerts. She does her aerial stuff during her concerts. Have you not seen those? No. She does very big concerts. I'm not trying to be judgmental. She's fine, but I did not know that yeah. she was still doing concerts. Like she does so. like like trapeze and stuff like that. At that's her pretty concerts. cool. Yeah. yeah, but also books. <laughs> no, that's that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So 2,000 band books are going to be given away at her Florida concerts. I don't know how many Florida concerts she has, but mm-hmm. I do like the fact that she's. Kind of saying, like, in your face, Florida. Right. Yeah. That's super important right <laughs> um, now. And then I have a review for a book that I was interested mm-hmm. in. So, um, I found this review. Oof. Pretty sure it was a, it, on the Publishers Weekly website. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a memoir. Maybe. <laughs> yes. You sound so unsure. Well, the way it's worded, I'm just going to No, go I'll for it. it. Go it's for called it. The go Country of the Blind, yeah. A Memoir at the End of Sight. This mm-hmm. is one that we saw a, oh. a little bit, like a, maybe two weeks, yes. three yeah. weeks ago. Yeah, I remember this. Yeah. Um, so, it is by Andrew Leland. It is 368 pages. It can be purchased for $29. They have all kinds of information. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Believer Ellie. Wow. Believer, editor Leland, delivers a masterful exploration of disability in his brilliant debut. Living with retinitis pigmentosa, a condition that gradually results in total vision loss since he was a teenager, Leland considers his ongoing tradition from sightedness to blindness with ambivalence and curiosity. Mm -hmm. I need to know how I will live and what kind of person, what kind of blind person I'll be. While he mourns the loss of things like seeing his son's face and reading printed text, he discovers new, more tactile ways of being, such as letting his son guide him through a museum or sweeping his fingers across marvelous lines of Braille. Interweaving his own experiences, dozens of interviews with blind people and cultural experts, and forays into philosophy, history, and literature, Leland constructs a nuanced understanding of blind politics, blind tech, blind culture, and blind struggle. Discussing, among other hmm. things, schisms? Schisms? Schisms. Yeah. Gosh, I read that word wrong every single time. No, you're fine, yeah. But I know how to spell it if somebody tells it to me. Mm-hmm. Such a weird thing. Within the National Federation of the Blind and the ways much modern technology can trace its roots back to blind troubleshooters. So, this one just seemed kind of perfect for like our theme because it's, it's nonfiction. Mm-hmm. But also, we saw this... And like, Publishers Weekly is is very detailed. Yeah. Uh, and we saw it probably like three issues ago. Right. So we were both really interested in it, and then I was like, "Well, we should probably talk about it because it sounds sad, but like hopeful." Yeah. yeah. And and it's like a rediscovery of self, which I think that taps into like one of the biggest fears that maybe I have is mm-hmm. like losing sight. Well, this know. is a book podcast. Yeah, because it's like it's it's a little bit more difficult to engage with books yeah. if you don't have that ability. So I think that's a yeah, yeah for sure. 
And yeah, I, I hadn't thought about that one since we saw it in Publishers Weekly until mm-hmm. you just brought it up. But yeah, yeah, it's a good one. And then Britney Spears is number one on the nonfiction bestsellers list. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> glad, Which glad you put that news out there. I mean, yeah. I don't know if you're living under a rock, you mm-hmm. might not know that you might not know who Britney Spears is. So. <laughs> I I think people who live <laughs> under rocks even know who she is. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, so I don't have a whole lot of news this week, uh, necessarily, but James S.A. Corey, uh, announced a new trilogy. Um, James S.A. Corey is the, uh, writing duo, uh, the pen name for a writing duo that made the Expanse, uh, series. I think there's nine of those books, and I think they wrapped it up with book nine, from what I understand. That's such a weird number to end on. Yeah, I mean, like I, Like, ten yeah. would have been a good number. They or eight. I, I would be surprised if they don't go back to that oh. that universe. Even numbers. From from what I understand, they developed out like this amazing, like detailed, thorough universe. So I would expect them to go back to it. Uh, but they have a new trilogy coming out, and that's pretty big news for like sci-fi yeah. fans in particular. Because I I'm I really really want to get into those books. I know they will consume my life and become ninety percent of my personality whenever I read them. Uh, because everyone compares the Expanse series to uh, Mass Effect video games, and I was such a big fan of those that I'm pretty sure that it would just be everything that I care about for a while. <laughs> um, but the other uh, piece of news, which is not exactly totally news, and we can talk about this as much as you want, or as little as you want, is uh, Esquire put out an article um, about the future of books and the future of book publishing, um, that I thought was super interesting, and I shared it with you already, and we um, had a little bit of a conversation about it. But was there anything about that that stood out to you, or anything that you want to like dig into a little bit? Refresh me, because I also read another article today about like what social media does for books, and mm-hmm. I want to make sure that I'm not integrating them. Because I think what I read is a little more hopeful and what you read sounds sad. I may, oh, maybe that's one where genre fiction is going to carry. Right. Um, so, okay. So, it's yeah. a the, the actual title of the article is "What's the Future of Books?" Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an Esquire article by Kate Dwyer. Um, it came out November 9th of this year, um, and I, I've got it pulled up here just to look at the headers because it's very nicely and kind of cleanly divided up into headers. One of them is. Um, the first one they start with is it'll be uh, even harder to launch debut yep. fiction. Um, and she points out that debut fiction is going to become much more like condensed and consolidated. Um, and it will become much more about who you know, mm-hmm. more so than the quality of the work that you have. Um, because if you have connections or if you are a person who is already sort of in the entertainment industry... Yep it'll be a little bit easier to get your publication out there, which I feel like that's always been the case. Yeah, which, if it's going to get worse... Yeah. But there was some hope, because that's like general fiction is what Mm -hmm. they mainly talk about. Right. It's like getting into the fiction world. Mm -hmm. No subtitles. Right. But there is going to be a shift to genre fiction more so and it'll 
be easier? Specifically literary genre fiction mm. is what they mentioned. Because uh, the next header is literary genre fiction and auto fiction will still be the most popular modes of storytelling. Um, she points out that like literary genre fiction has kind of been dominating which is genre fiction that sort of bends and breaks the genre conventions. Um, and she specifically mentions people like Colson Whitehead, Marlon James, yeah. Emily St. John Mandel, uh, people like that, who take the conventions of the genre, but also bend them and break them and expand like them tomorrow. in some ways. Like tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. I think that's a perfect example, yeah. Because yeah. tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow is a video game book. Right. But, like, that's not tech, that's not typically literary. Yeah, yeah. And, and they've made it literary. Right. And, and I'll read the rest of these headers super quickly, and, and we can kind of talk about the broad scopes, purposes of it. So, uh, book clubs and indie publishers will continue investing in multi-platform storytelling, especially audio. Um, she mm -hmm. talks about how, or writes about how audio books tend to connect with more people now, which, I mean, obviously. People are busy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it just makes sense. Well, and a lot of people that we listen to, they call them trophies. So they do their mm -hmm. audiobooks and then they buy the books that they liked. Right. As their bookcase trophies. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or they do a tandem read. Right. Not a lot of people that we listen to do, here's this book that I read. Mm -hmm. Every once in a while, I'll listen to a, an audiobook. Yeah. I am that person. I can only listen to audiobooks that i don't really have a vested interest in mm -hmm. because i'm not paying attention yeah i do the same <laughs> to an extent i mean i pay attention to them but it's usually whenever i'm out driving or something yeah. so it makes a little difference but uh um the next one is uh there won't be a new book twitter and they're specifically talking about how uh since twitter's downfall essentially into x yeah. Um, there's not a, a focused spot to go to for book news, so it's fragmented. And a lot of uh, writers and publishers are not going to continue pu uh, posting on like six or seven different platforms to try to reach people, so it's not as consolidated as it used to be. Um, people will pick up books not because of the plot, but because they want to feel a certain way. Um, and she writes about how a lot of bookstores are organizing things based on feelings mm -hmm. and emotions and that's a lot of what people are going for you kind of see that in barnes and noble where it's mm -hmm. like i want to cry or hashtag cry or something like that yeah. and it's like these are the books that are gonna rip your heart out yeah exactly but also i i think it makes sense especially after covid in terms of like people are looking for feelings mm -hmm. and emotions so much more than they're looking for specific stories or plot. Uh, maybe that's a generalization on my point or on my part, but I think that I that's, kind of see that. that's what I've noticed. Well, a little I bit mean, more. even on TikTok, the books, the the book recommendations are like, these are books that shattered me. These are books that made me laugh. These, right. you know. Yep. So. Yeah. Um, and the last one was just that word of mouth is going to be more important than ever. So people are going to learn about books take recommendations and stuff from actual people and yep. just kind of the the push from individuals is going to be much more important than it to ever has been. expand on that a little bit, the article I looked at um, mostly talked about romance, mm -hmm. but it really seems like it can be applied everywhere because Travis Baldry got his big break on TikTok and that's what the article talked about. Mm -hmm. um, that TikTok is taking... Like, 
old and making it green. They said something like green leaf. So they're like making mm-hmm. it new and fresh and exciting again. So yeah. even backlist books from authors are getting picked up because of TikTok. Mm-hmm. So I think that's pretty cool. I do think that that's still that word of thing. Um, but I think that TikTok has been really good and sometimes damaging, but really good for authors. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a good, it's a good way to like get like a hive mind mm-hmm. highlighting is a thing because like, it, you know, like any other algorithm for any social media platform, you're probably going to start seeing more things about stuff that you're already invested in. Right. So if you spend more time watching a video on a certain book, you're going to see a lot more content on books related to that, if not the exact same book. So it's, um, but I, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing in and of itself. But I, I do think that it it makes a difference in terms of just like exploring and expanding your horizons to new things. Mm-hmm. So it's an interesting, weird kind of catch twenty two situation for sure. So. But that's why I really like... Or double-edged sword, is what I mean. That's why I find it really important that we do recommend. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, we're starting out small. But if <laughs> right. if book publishing is going to be as difficult as they make it sound, yeah, it is going to be up to podcasts and books. Like other book people right. to kind of be like, here, push this. And I think I think that we are at like a weird turning point for like publishing in particular because the the onus of that article like the the thing that kind of sparked it um, in the opening of it they mentioned that um, a lot of publishers have consolidated Mm -hmm. like a couple of the big publishers have consolidated in um, and there's uh, the the kind of platforms that were once available for people to get their work out there are not there anymore Um, and it's becoming more and more difficult for people to actually get published so the diversity of material may start to become stifled well, a little like, bit there's like publishing mergers too now mm-hmm. oh which like yes. uk branches and u.s branches are now merging together mm-hmm. um which is going to make it more difficult because now you're not just competing with other u.s people you're competing with yeah people across the water too right so. of course yeah so we could go on and on about that <laughs> i think uh, that that's a, a pretty passionate thing that we care about but i mean you know again it's a great article if you want to check it out it's through esquire um i it's 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 very i don't want to say shallow but it is very surface level um they they package it up in a very approachable way um getting into the details of it and everything will be much more daunting so uh, dig in as much as you want to but um, I think we're going to try to move on to our TBR and like uh, the progress we've made this month yeah. and what we've read, what we've finished, um, you know, some initial impressions in the middle of the month here. So I'll, do you want to kick it off with yours? I think you, you've made so much <laughs> more have, progress than I have. I have a lot. Yeah. I am. Um, so I've read six books so far this month, which is kind of low for me. But we had a lot of stuff that we were doing. Mm -hmm. And I'm kind of struggling getting into this next book that I'm reading. But there's just a lot of information. Mm -hmm. So I have finished Golden Sun, which was, if you remember, it was on my October TBR. Um, I finished Golden Sun. I finished Sea of Monsters. Second book in Red Rising, you should say, for Golden Sun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have little notes for each, too. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. That's okay. I should have read them as I was telling notes. You're right. No, you're good. 
I just want to make it clear for Red Rising in particular because, like, we've talked about how much we love Red Rising, so I want to make it clear Oof, okay. that, like... Well, let me read what I wrote. Yeah. Because okay. I have little taglines for all, right. all of them. Go okay, so Golden it. Sun is book two of Red Rising. It follows the events of Red Rising, but, like, a, like one or one and a half or two years later, um, there are more battles and larger conflict, and the stakes are much higher. Mm-hmm. Um, that's literally all I can say about it. Right. I... I did cry. I think that's important for me to like tell. Mm-hmm. I I think it would be very interesting to go back through my year and figure out how many times I cried during a book. <laughs> it would. I don't think I want to even know because I've seen you cry. At, I don't know nine out of ten of the books that you finished. Well, I get so invested. Right. And I, I that's that's what makes a good book. Yeah. Of if course. I can, if I have invested time and there's like an effect, mm-hmm. I think that that. Is a good book. The only thing that I'll ask about Golden Sun, and I'm not going to try to extend things out too much, mm-hmm. is is the pacing still yes. pretty on par with the Red Rising? Uh, maybe faster. Really? Well, because there's not a lot of like, okay, let's sit here and breathe. Okay. There's a little bit of, okay, let's sit here and breathe. All right, now we've got to pick our guns back up. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. Because <laughs> those books are like marked by their yeah. pacing. It just, it's like breakneck speed. Yeah, and like, it's fast. Okay, all right. That's... So much happens. There was one point where I felt like I wasn't like breathing properly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I felt that way in Red Rising yeah. a few times. So, yeah, all right. I got you. Um, so then I have Sea of Monsters, which is book two in the Percy Jackson series by Rick Riordan. Um, Percy is trying to finish the school year but camp half-blood is in danger again and he has to take care of it he gets there's another adventure i mean it's percy jackson like they're adventure stories they are middle grade they do read a little middle grade mm-hmm. but it, the event adventure is cool and the friendship is cool mm. is it's it- a real focus on fine found family with that friendship out like close knit friend element i love that yeah was Rick Rick Royden, right? Royden. I don't know. Uh, he was he was at the y'all fest, right? Or am I? Is a di- uh, it was a different one. Oh, okay. A different person, because I gotcha. think his books are all technically middle grade. Got it. Okay. But I'm not 100 percent sure. Gotcha. If what they are, um, mm-hmm. but there was it was a I don't know I don't remember who. There's not a lot of men that write. YA apparently there's like five people. I didn't really think about that. <laughs> Every panel that we went to, oh, we'll get into All right, that. Anyways. We'll get into that later. Go ahead. Go. Ahead. Um, assistant to the villain. Oh, Golden Sun was a five star. Uh, Percy Jackson was a five star. Uh-huh. Um, assistant to the villain is about Evie Sage. It's described as Once Upon a Time meets The Office. It's a. It's. It is a little. Um, villainy is run like a business, and the kingdom's biggest villain needs a personal assistant. And um. I had some issues. It read very fast. It's a four and a half stars for me. It's a half star because if you watch TikTok and you have those uh, skits and it's like, like for part two, mm-hmm. so you can see, and then you have to go and then you have to search for the next skit. That's a little how it ended. Oh. Um, it was almost like, yeah. it was almost like, here's a period. Let's go to the next sentence. There's no more next sentence. Mm. So... I, it's good because she is signed on, I think, for like two more books at least. Mm-hmm. It's bad because the next book isn't going to come out for another year. Yeah. And then uh, after that, another year. It's not great for readers. Yeah. So when you read as fast as I do, because I read this in like a day and a half, 
And mm-hmm. I was like, well, I need more. And there wasn't any more. Right. So I don't want to feel that every single time I read something. And I didn't even know it was a series to mm-hmm. begin with. Um, I don't, I don't want to... Like, if I stopped reading Golden Sun, or if I stopped reading... Gosh, I read a lot of series. Or if I stopped reading um, Percy Jackson. Okay. Right. Like, there... Now, there are some things in both of those where I should continue the story, but the adventure is done right. in those things. I understand. Whereas yeah. with Assistant to the Villain, the adventure wasn't quite done. Mm-hmm. It there At the, the last 20 pages, an adventure starts back up, mm-hmm. almost. And so, eh, it, was, it was good, though. It was really good. It's still worth the read. I'm still happy I read it. I think I logged it as a five-star. Um, no, I don't know. I think maybe I logged it as a four star. But it's closer to like a four point five, right? It was absolutely yeah. a four point five. Okay, because that was my only my only re- real issue with it. Okay. And also, I picked it up because it had red pages. So, right. <laughs> it's just not like <laughs> I got my money's worth. <laughs> it seemed like an interesting book. <laughs> yeah, I like it, and I like the idea of like. So she is literally his personal assistant. She runs mm-hmm. his office, and it's his, it's like a manor house. Right. Where um, there's like tortures and stuff, and right. she just like makes sure he stays on schedule. I like that. Yeah, I like the idea of like a yeah. bureaucratic, otherworldly right. thing going on. Right. Yeah, and I now I I will say I thought it was going to be like modern time, like mm-hmm. a, a Despicable Me situation, but it is like medieval. So just okay. there are like weapons and guns and like bombs and stuff but maybe a little more appealing to me personally (laughs) (laughs) um so the next one i read was the sentence Mm -hmm. by louise erdrick this is the book that i was given at the beginning of the month i gave this a five star it follows tukey after she does something to get imprisoned and now she comes to terms with her life after getting out of prison there's a bookstore where she works that's haunted but it's also the story of tukey's past haunting her Mm. um this was so good Hmm. i actually i'm surprised like i am on one hand surprised how much i liked it because it's not typically something i would have picked up but i'm also not surprised because like you picked it up Mm -hmm. and like i don't know that i've gone i don't know that you've given me anything to read where i was like there's no worth in this there's it's not that great like this was so good. I mean, I would hope so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you hadn't read it either, but no. you really do your research whenever you do get books for me. I I so. really try because I want to make sure that it's something that I think you'll enjoy. But I I always each month I try to like find something to push the boundary just right. a little bit. Now there were some really like close to home feelings because it was um it was also like like during COVID. And so you see them kind of shutting down the store and not knowing when they're going to be reopened. Um, they're, and then obviously while we were locked down, the George, George Floyd stuff happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and this takes place in the same city the right. the setting is. It's Minneapolis. Yeah. yeah. So because it was um, like indigenous people they felt this connection and it, it it was like a worry of like their family going on marches and their family getting hurt mm-hmm. in the process because of their skin color too. So right. it was, it was heavy. There was a lot of heavy stuff in it. 
course. But oh, it was so good. I, I I wanted to turn around and reread it. Mm. But then we went to Charleston. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which is where I read my next book. <laughs> right. So, Victoria Avi- Aviard, Aviard, I hope, I don't know, I said it wrong, mm-hmm. I'm sure. Um, she was one of the people that was at Y'all Fest to do signings. I have a special edition of Red Queen. It's a red book with red pages, with red writing, like, on the front cover. So, you can kind of see that it says Red Queen. I posted it on our Instagram, um, but I hadn't read it. And that was the one book that I brought that I was like, okay, this is a really cool special edition. Mm-hmm. I need to read this book. <laughs> so, I started it Thursday. And I stood in line at Yaw Fest for about an hour, two hours, hour and a half. It's an hour and a half, yeah. Stood in line at Yaw Fest for about I an remember, hour and a half. I remember every minute. I had, <laughs> <laughs> I probably had like 240 pages left. Mm-hmm. I got 20 pages left by the time I got her to sign it. Yeah. So. <laughs> she had a massive line. It was. Long. That was wild. That was probably one of the longest I saw that day. It was for Besides sure. Besides Cassandra Clare, but hers had tickets. Well, Anyways. yeah, they, they had wristbands. <laughs> yeah. But. Um. So yeah, her line was so long, and she is very nice. Mm-hmm. And um, the book was okay. Let me get back to the book. I did give it a four. Uh, it did start out very similar to Shadow and Bone, only so initially. I was waiting for you to be like. All right, let me get to the book. I gave it a one. Uh, <laughs> I hate it. No, she, she's a great kidding. person, but... <laughs> By the time I finished the book, I liked it a lot more than when I started it. So, that, right. I mean, that's a good sign. Yeah. Um, it was like a 4-2-5. Mm-hmm. It was closer to a 4 than it was a 4-5. I gave it a 4. Anytime I do a 4-5, I give it a 4, unless I feel very strongly about it, and I give it a 5. I, mean, I don't think I've talked about that. So... <laughs> um, it is, I have it written here, I don't know why I'm guessing. Um, so, Reds versus Silvers is a division of class by blood color, blood color, which is a very interesting way to do stuff. Mm-hmm. There is always a class divide in, in fantasy, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one was one of those ones where it was a physical divide. So... Mm-hmm. When you cut a silver, their blood is silver. They don't flush. Their cheeks don't ever turn red. Um, but when you cut a red, their red, their blood is red, and so they're normal. Like if you know everybody's blood is red, they're normal. Um, except, where do I have my stuff? So division of class by blood color, which gives them. Oh, silvers have special gifts. It's like I would call it like bending. There's like metal bending and earth bending, water bending. You know, like Avatar. Mm-hmm. Mayor, who is the main character, she is a red, um, but she's special. And she, the, the, the thing about her will blow the whole world apart mm-hmm. because she's special. And it's a really good story about what it takes to save your family mm-hmm. and what it takes to save yourself. I really liked it at the end of the day. I wanted to immediately pick up the next books to read. I think it's a trilogy. And then she has like three other books that she's written too. So Mm. that one was a four. The more I sit with it, the more points it gets. But I need to just keep it (laughs) my first instinct. And then I finally, um, my last book that I read was called Educated by Tara Westover. 
This was one of my ten books. I only have one more left. <sighs> <laughs> the heaviest. I don't one. know if I stopped and raged out loud so much about a book. Oh, it was a lot. Yeah. 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 And we should say, just in case somebody happens to be diving in right here, the ten that we're talking about, I we gave each other ten books to read this year. Um, and one of the ten that I gave you was Educated, Tara Westover's book. Uh, I read this for a university <laughs> course. I got a copy of it, that, or a university book club that we yeah. had. Um, and they gave us copies of it for us to read and like have like meetings and everything. And we talked through like the content of the book. Um, and we specifically focused on the way that education was sort of a saving grace in her life. Um, but there are, but I focused so on more. a different aspect. Of yeah, it. <laughs> of course you did. Yeah. But to be fair, like, I, I think that that's, that's very, very fair because yeah. it's a very blatant aspect of the book. It's yeah. a r- religion, uh, specifically. So she like, grows up in yeah. the Mormon church. Um, right. but I will preface this by saying that even the people around her that were Mormon didn't necessarily agree with the way right. they the way they religioned. Well, they are a they her family is like a fringe extremist. Yeah. I think it's very fair to say that they're an extremist uh doomsday prepper fringe segment that takes a religious idea mm-hmm. and just ex, like pushes it to the most extreme limits of that idea. Um so yeah. But it's very easy for you to have an identity that your parents have given you if you're homeschooled, which mm-hmm. she was. Um, and if you're, I, I'll say if you're religious, mm-hmm. because if the only book you're reading is the Mormon book, mm-hmm. I think it's just Book of Mormons. I don't remember. You, they also read the Bible, but I don't know if it's like, I don't know anything. You just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But it was all religious text. You got me. I don't know. It was all religious text. And they didn't go to the doctor. They didn't believe in science medicine. They believed in um, religious medicine Mm -hmm. and like nature healing you and praying about it. So a lot happens in this book that enrages me. Like I, (laughs) I actually closed it probably 10 times to go on this rampage about how it's it's almost like it's almost like when um a drunk driver drives Mm -hmm. but the drunk driver is not the one that gets hurt when he crashes yeah it felt like the driver should have been punished right right so nobody gets punished in this book. Yeah. So not to not to spoil too much, but the the concept is like it it is her life growing up with her family, her mother and father, her father in particular, Gosh. um, are ultra fringe extremist religious, but also like conspiracy theorists. Oh, yeah. Pro- they're obsessed with believers, which uh, they're yeah, yeah. the oh, gosh rose. Uh, Ruby Ridge, Ruby, yes. yeah, the the attack on Ruby Ridge, um, uh, and Y two K was a big thing. Oh, absolutely, um, yeah. Because you remember when Y two K, we were told that the world was going to end because because mm-hmm. uh, technology's dumb and didn't know how to handle yeah numbers. Right. <laughs> if we have listeners that are 
Oh, no. Of that age. Anyway. <laughs> oh, no. I just didn't even think about that. <coughs> but Anyways. Um, so. <laughs> yeah. But it, but I, th- I think it's important to point out that, like, without spoiling anything, so much of this is people getting hurt. Yeah. It's pretty graphic about the way that yeah. the children, in particular, are hurt by this. Mm-hmm. Whether it's physically, mentally, or both. And the way that they their lives are just shaped. By this family that does not prioritize their safety right. over the their own kind of like super devout belief system. But the biggest takeaway was that um, education saves. Right. The people who went off to go to school and have a higher education because they didn't, they never went to school. Right. Um. Baylor accepted people who were homeschooled mm-hmm. as long as you could pass your ACT. And so the three that went to school did exactly that. Right. They passed their ACTs and they went to college with zero education. Mm-hmm. Unless they did it. In, like Zero uh, like structured education, I'll say. Because they weren't dumb. Right. Um. So... Throughout, she finds her identity by becoming more educated. Mm-hmm. And she realizes where her family taught her differently and where things weren't quite right. And she starts to come to terms with the fact that because she's educated, she needs to shape her identity different than what she was grown to, to understand. Right. And that's sad, too. Like, so she's having this, like, this very difficult childhood well, it's a total crisis of faith and now moment, she's having right? a difficult adulthood yeah. because her childhood like she didn't think it was as bad and as she becomes more aware it's it's more obvious mm-hmm. the shortcomings right. so it, it's it's incredibly great to come away from a book feeling something mm-hmm and so, <laughs> it's a much generic way to say, I, it, yeah. Because I don't want to be like, oh, I love this book because that feels weird, right? Because it is such a difficult book, right? Um, so one of the books that I assigned Aaron is called Glass Castle, mm-hmm. which is kind of funny that we assigned each other these books because they've been compared so many times. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I read Glass. I read Glass Castle a long time ago, and I I think I need to read it again because it's been a while. Right. And I want to see kind of the the comparison because they they both have to do with mental illness as well. Yeah, of course. But yeah, those are those are the six that I read. Um, oh, I gave that a five star. I don't know if you could tell. Yeah, book's amazing. <laughs> yeah. It's- it's one of my favorite memoirs I've ever read. It's so good. Yeah. Um, without a doubt. You just really got to prepare yourself. Yeah. There's a lot of content issues, like a lot of graphic stuff, a lot of like semi-child abuse and... Semi. Well, I mean... It, There's it, not like outright beatings. Right. But whenever I say semi, it's like the way it's depicted. Oh, yeah. It's not necessarily depicted as yeah. like overt child abuse, but it's There's like... There's a lot of gaslighting. Yes, of course. Uh, manipulative behavior. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, there's there is abuse for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. Of course. Cause yeah. 
There's yeah, there's so much. Yeah. And next month we plan to read Educating, which is her mother's book. No, we um, are not to try reading to... that. <laughs> okay, no. <laughs> no. Okay. I right. wasn't even gonna put that on this platform. No, we we don't <laughs> we don't have to we don't have to talk about the fact that her mom wrote a book. Okay. Um <laughs> I have so little reading updates on my part. Um I I've read some <laughs> But I, you know, I've mentioned before that I'm a pretty slow reader, so I have a difficult time with that. But also, between the travel and the fact that, like, I've been, you know, work stuff has been catching up to me and everything. Well, it's almost the end uh, of the semester. It's, yeah, it's a, yeah, I teach at a university, so it's like, it's very close to the end of the semester. I had conferences, which means that I had, you know, a hundred plus papers that I had to put notes on and meet with students. And, and try to get them to understand. Uh, yeah, it was like eight plus hours a day. It was, it was a lot. But I did manage to get some reading done. Um, so I, I read uh, about three quarters of uh, Joy Luck Club by Amy Tan. Um, so I, that was one of the books that's on my 10 <laughs> for the year. Um, it's very good. I mean, I, I love it. It's a, uh, it, it's sad. It reads like a book of short stories. Um, if you're not familiar with Joy Luck Club, I think it's like a classic at this point. So many, so many sites and mm-hmm. people mention it as a classic. Um, it, it is. It it reads like a series of parables or a series of like uh, uh, almost like minor myths because there's like a lot of like magic and like mysticism that is like mentioned in the background of these things. Um, but it is very much about like there are four women that make up this joy luck club that are like older women one of them has passed away and her daughter is essentially taking her place within the joy luck club and there are there are four daughters of these four women um, and the chapters alternate between them um, so you get chapters related to the four older women that are in the club and the four daughters um, that are essentially being raised as Asian American women uh, uh, it's a lot to do with culture, a lot to do with uh, family dynamics and family mm-hmm. trauma and generational trauma and uh, political and socioeconomic trauma. And I, I don't know, it's a very layered book. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot that goes on within a short few pages. Uh, there are definitely characters that I like more than others that stand out a lot more. Um, I struggle with like keeping up with it a lot. I keep having to turn back to in the, in the front of the book, they have a list of the mothers and the daughters. And I have to keep turning back to that to remind myself who is who, because uh, if you're alternating between eight different characters, essentially, or well, seven for the most part, because the one mother has passed, um, it's hard to keep up with that. um, Who is who, but uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot, and it's a little bit of like a cultural learning curve for me as well, uh, because it is very much steeped in like Chinese culture specifically, mm-hmm. uh, but Asian culture more broadly as well. Um, Waverly is the best, I think. Um, I think that I like her Waverly, Waverly story is the most interesting. She's a chess prodigy that is. Uh, well, she was whenever she was Boy younger. Chess, though. Yeah, and, and it's like <laughs> her learning to kind of like. Uh, become her own person and not allow her mother to like take credit for her successes and her failures uh, and to express that and you know because her mother was taking credit for all the things that she did and kind of took on the the I don't know the 
all, all embodied her daughter a little bit too heavily. So, yeah. Uh, but I think she's the most interesting. I, I well, look forward to her chapters. More you are that. your mother, right? <laughs> or you are your daughter, or what? You know, right? It's. I mean, that's your name that you gave your child. So I, I it's just one of those. I think it's a. I think it's a cultural thing, but we'll just keep on keeping on. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 It's a. It's a, again incredible book. I. I definitely want to. I will finish it by the end of the month for sure. Yeah. I. I love it. Um. I. I'm a big fan of short stories, and it definitely reads like a book of short stories. Which is why I'm really confused why you enjoyed it so much because you gave this to me as one of my ten books, but it is absolutely a book of short stories. Yeah, I read it also like. 20 years ago at this point probably oh yeah yeah different person now (laughs) (laughs) so if you read it today you wouldn't like it oh i'm sure i still would yeah Yeah, i mean i still recommended it it's great it's it really is great um again hard to follow structurally for me at least um if i could sit down and like really sit with it and read for longer sessions i think i would be able to get through it a lot better i think it'd be a lot easier because then the the characters are still f- like a freshly painted picture. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The other book, I got about 25 pages into Glass Castle, which we talked about a couple minutes ago. It's a Jeanette Walls, um, and it is a memoir, again, about religious trauma, it feels like, and uh, familial trauma, generational trauma, uh, dealing with, uh, you know, being uh, the child that escaped uh, a bad home situation and again i'm only 25 pages in i i'm super <laughs> into it i think i read those 25 pages really fast very fast yeah and I, i'm really into it it's very readable super approachable um again i think it's like a classic at this point when people talk about memoirs oh yeah they talk about this one it's like the memoir yeah so often and it gets compared again to educated by tara westover so often and I know I'll definitely finish it. Yeah, by I like the end our overlap well. that we have this time. <laughs> right, right. It's interesting because, like, as I I read those twenty five pages, and I was like, "Oh, this is just this is the same book." I was right. like, "Just That's which is parallel life," which is sad because yeah. they're both true stories, yeah. and it's very sad to think that there are two different people in very different environments and circumstances. It's, they're both mental health, yeah. but one. Is a different type of mental health than the other. That's yeah, it. but they're so similar. Mm-hmm. Like the actual like impact is so similar that it's it's kind of yeah. depressing. It's it's. I mean, they're both about trying to formulate who you are without your parents. Right. Yeah. Which is a, a sad thing yeah. to do. Um. But uh, that's all that I've read. To be completely honest, um, my focus for the last part of the month, though, I did want to mention, um is to try to finish Joy Luck Club and Glass Castle. I'm pretty positive I'll get through those. Uh, And then I have the two books that I mentioned in our uh, opening for November, which is the Viejo Verde for uh, Gustavo Perez Fermat. Um, That book of poetry that I'm reviewing for the magazine that I edit for. Um, And then also uh, the um, Until All You See is Sky by George Chandas, which is a book of essays, um, which I also plan to finish. I'm going to prioritize those pretty heavily um, by the end of the month and try to get through those and get those reviews out because 
I would like to I'd like to get those uh, knocked out as well. Mm-hmm. So that's my goal. Um, we're going to do some rapid fires, yeah, right? Yeah, our mid-month we do uh, some rapid fire recommendations. These are not recommendations that we're going to talk about, really. Yeah, we're just going to run through them. Yep. and usually... I'll, I'll give like a sentence about two right. that I have simply because you're going to need to know why. <laughs> right, and, and some, some of these may be things we've read. Some of them yeah. may not, we may not have read, but it may be things that we're interested in or we plan to read at some point. Um, but also, we like to try to make these like connected to the theme for the month. Um, that way, in case we're not super versed in the theme for the month, we can definitely give some more recommendations and try to push material that mm-hmm. we've researched or we've heard a lot about and we know fits with the theme pretty well. So, um, you want me to run through yeah, mine, I, or do you yeah, want? To, yeah, I've been going first. I think every time. Okay, it doesn't matter <laughs> either way. I, I don't have a lot, so. Um, so the first one that I'm going to recommend is The Tattooed Soldier by Hector Tobar. Um, this is a book that I read for a transnational uh, literature uh, class that I took in grad school. It focused a lot on Central American literature. Um, it's a story about an immigrant uh, from Guatemala that is uh, escaping violence after his family is uh, murdered in Guatemala. Um, and he's tempting to kind of make a, a name for himself and like kind of start over in the United States. So a uh, very difficult book to read in some ways. Also very approachable. There's like some humor in there that you wouldn't expect, but also a very good poignant look at our current kind of immigration system in the United States. So I think that's a pretty important book to read. Um, second one is uh, Empire of the Summer Moon by S.C. Gwynn. Uh, I have not read this one. It's a nonfiction book that was a finalist for the Pulitzer Prize, actually. Um, and this is one that I was recommended by a student and also by a family member <laughs> uh, that, uh, that my uncle recommended oh. it. Yeah, yeah, he read it. Yeah, he read it as well. Um, and uh, it's, a, it's a story, um, I won't get into it too much because, again, I haven't read it. Uh, but it is a, a Native American indigenous story, uh, and it is, uh, from what I understand, very accurate and deep look at sort of tribal politics and also uh, tribal responses to colonization during the time. Uh, so I think that would be a great one, and I do want to read that at some point. Uh, I've only got two more. Uh, one is a testimony, A Death of a Guatemalan Village by Victor Montejo. Again, I read this in the Transnational Literature course. Uh, It is an eyewitness account of a specific bout of violence in a Guatemalan village. Uh, It's very short, uh, incredibly difficult read, uh, but it is, again, nonfiction. And also, uh, from everything that I remember from reading it in my graduate class, a a very searing and visceral read that I think is important and good to understand uh, what is happening to indigenous communities. Um, and the last one uh, I'll mention is Almanac of the Dead by Leslie Marmon Silco. Uh, I think I've talked about this book, not on the podcast before, but I think me and you talked about this one. You I talked think. to me about that. Yeah. It's a long book. Um, I feel like I went into like a fugue state whenever I read this for my class. This is the one that you were telling me that it was like the thickest one you had to read yeah. and the most complicated so complex. It yeah. was, you got the most out of it, I think. Yeah, so complex, so difficult to read. 
Um, but again, very literary. But I think it is the most accurate, from what I understand, uh, representation of sort of the oral tradition uh, within Central American culture. Uh, and in particular, it, it really delves into this idea of myth-making and prophecy. That's changes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so there's like this almanac of the dead, essentially, and like the book itself has prophecies, but ever so often they essentially burn the book and then mm-hmm. retell the story out loud and reconstruct the book from the oral tradition. Uh, fascinating book. Again, I think I went into like a weird fugue state reading it because it was so long as like six, seven hundred pages or something, and it was pretty difficult to get through. Um, but having said that, I do highly recommend it. <laughs> that makes it sound like it's not great, but it is actually a pretty good book to read. It's just, uh, it's, it's a lot to take in for sure. So, all right, those are the recommendations that I have. Um, again, kind of rapid fire there. Alrighty. So, um, I have very different recommendations. Hmm. Oh, no. <laughs> so the first two that I have are both paranormal fantasies. One's a YA and one is not. Um, there is some Native American themes. They're what The first one's called Moon Called by Patricia Briggs. And it, it derives from the term skinwalker. Um, it's, it's a witch of Southwest Indian tribes who uses a skin to turn into a coyote or some other animal. And this book is is literally about like lycanthropes Mm. so she's a shapeshifter she does turn into a coyote it's a a thing that's in Mm -hmm. the book and they do they do call them skinwalkers and the book is called moon uh moon called so there's that one it's very different than what you went over (laughs) i know no i think it's good um and then the house of night series by pc cast and Kristen cast um so because the main character is Native American. She reacts differently to being turned into a vampire. And it her connection with nature and how um, she's grown up makes her different. Mm. And so she is different from other people and it's kind of an identity issue as well. So both of those are books I've read that are that do have Native American themes, which I have not read a lot. I've already recommended the sentence enough, I think. Um, <laughs> that would be my number one recommendation had I not read it just now. <laughs> then I have uh, three books that were recommended to me um, through my mom's co-worker. So my mom's co-worker went to UNC Pembroke and did a lot of study. I think, there's, I think it's a requirement, right, to do a um, Native American Studies class. You have to take one, yeah. So, Tracks by Louise Erdrich, who wrote The Sentence. The House Made of Dawn by N. Scott Mamaday. And The Light People by Gordon Henry. So, those are the three that she let me borrow. And I do plan to get to them. I just don't know when. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I almost immediately picked up Tracks because it was written by the same person that wrote The Sentence. But while we were in Charleston, I needed to finish Red Queen. So, mm-hmm. that's... That's where that went. I think it's fair. I have a few nonfiction books. Also, very different paths. <laughs> <laughs> so I have Between the World and Me by ta Coates. One of my ten that I was oh, yeah. told to read this year. One of my um, favorites. It is a memoir slash essay 
to his son. It's an epistolary. It's like oh, a letter. It's an a, le- a letter. A letter to his son. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it's it's about the world and growing up as a black man, mm-hmm. and it is a very fast, heartbreaking read. Uh, and that's it that's it to be fair i think that and the year that that book came out i don't think anybody needed that recommendation because it was like huge i mean that that took the world by storm i mean it was like so i i had a teacher one time that said that if your book is showing up in uh airport bookstores (laughs) that that is a marker that it is like successful (laughs) Uh, and that was in like every airport bookstore, basically. It yeah. was like, I, I can't remember the percentage, but in the United States, it was in, there was a, an actual statistic about it. That's pretty crazy. It was massive. Uh, same thing with the Citizen, the Claudia Rankin book of poetry, which poetry never shows up in airport yeah. bookstores. And that book was everywhere, which I still think is one of the greatest books of poetry ever. But I've never read it. Super great. Yeah. <laughs> also, um, also about being black in America. So, gotcha. yeah. So... Another turn lift is Bossy Pants by Tina Fey. <laughs> I have actually recommended this memoir more than once. Right. More than once to you. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> I mean, it's it's literally Tina Fey's memoir. And mm-hmm. it, I mean, it's funny. It's Tina Fey. But it's there's some serious moments um, about like being a female comedian. Mm-hmm. It's very good. Um, Tuesdays with Maury, I read twice. It's by Mitch Album. When I entered college... Back in the day, <laughs> it was a university required read. Right. We read it as our intro to college, or, or I can't remember what that class mm-hmm. was called. Yeah. But I've read a bunch of other books. Well, two other books. <laughs> Say a bunch, but it was two other ones <laughs> by Mitch Album. That's a bunch. Yeah. And then the last one I have to recommend is a very long title. It's If You Tell. It's the true story of murder, family secrets, and unbreakable bond of sisterhood by Greg Olson. It is a true crime story. It is awful. Mm. It, it's good. It's awful. It's, <laughs> it's good. a. It's it's very well written. Right. But about it's about murder and sisterhood. Obviously, mm-hmm. it says that in the title. <laughs> That's fair. But I read that last year. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure. And I, I really, maybe it was a year before. Yeah, I don't know. Dates all blend together eventually. No, you're, yeah. But those are all my rapid fires. Yeah. I've got like two more. I can oh, just good. throw out because I just random. I was like, I didn't do many nonfiction yeah, ones, ahead. I guess. Uh, they can't kill us until they kill us. Oh, I bring yeah. that up all the time. <laughs> I, I still think about that book like weekly, yeah. I think. Um, so I, I, it's in my like top 10 of all time probably. So I'd recommend that. Um, and the other one is another Ta-Nehisi Coates book, um, because I don't think it gets enough attention. Uh, we Were Eight Years in Power. Uh, it's a book of essays that he wrote for different publications, a lot of them for The Atlantic. Um, and between each of those essays, he has uh, like essentially uh, other essays that mm. he wrote. Well, they're articles, I guess, technically, because they were published in magazines, between each of the articles, there are essays that he wrote, um, and it was about the Obama administration. Oh, and it's, uh, again, eight years that Obama was in office, uh, and it's him writing about being in office uh, and, like, having a, a black president, mm-hmm. essentially. Um, and about how he thinks that Michelle 
is actually the superior of the Obamas because <laughs> because she is more representative in his mind of like the black experience in America and of overcoming uh, trauma and uh, the the stereotypes and everything because she uh, genuinely uh, overcame a lot more. Well, than and also Barack. is a she exactly yeah. yeah. Well, that that's part of it. Yeah, yeah. is because she she tended to uh, to overcome more in that sense. So. Yeah. But it's a very good book, um, and I don't think it's enough attention because it's like republished articles, but the essays that separate the articles are fresh and new, so uh, it came out uh, a few years ago, but still. So we like to end our podcast with um, just some general recommendations, mm-hmm. and um, I actually have... So as I was doing my research today, which I prep way far in advance... Um, <laughs> I found an article published in theguardian.com or on the Guardian, in the Guardian, but it's theguardian.com. Anyways, I got that. Ah. <laughs> it's called The Good Guys Don't Always Win, um, Salman Rushdie on Peace, Barbie, and What Freedom Cost Him. Mm. It is a very good article. Um, he talks about the experience with like Barbie and Oppenheimer. Mm. He talked, and if you don't know anything about Salman Rushdie, it cost him his whole nation. Like yeah. freedom has cost him, his freedom of speech has cost him the ability to go home. Mm-hmm. And also he got shot at yeah, and lost his eye. So like <laughs> he's lost a lot. Right. Um, but it was a very good article. I skimmed it a little bit, but I love Salman Rushdie. I, I think I, I read Probably four of his books when I was in college. I don't remember what class it was, but I do remember that I loved them. Mm-hmm. I think I, I think I like one of the first things that we talked about. I was like, "You read him?" Right. <laughs> and you're like, "Yeah, I know who that is." Right, of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was a really good article. And then the other thing I'm going to recommend, it's, it's very different. It's Adam Rose on TikTok. He does these skits where he overlays himself going into uh work and then he like looks to the left and it's like a work fail and he looks to the right and it's a different work fail um he has one where he goes to the construction site and people are like getting stuck in cement he has one where he's going to the uh to the gym and they're doing like weird gym exercises i think he's very funny so anyways those are my two (laughs) Yeah, you always have the most random thing. The first one is not as random. Right, right. But I wanted to do the most random thing from the first one. Right. That's fair. That's fine. Uh, Yeah, I've got two uh, random recommendations as well. One is a little bit more... bleak and the other one is oh. more positive Should, uh, bleak first no I guess. we gotta end this on a high note well, that's what i'm saying oh bleak yes first. bleak first yeah, okay, i just yeah. can't listen uh, <laughs> so I, I i care a lot about the video games industry we talked about this earlier today actually um there's a this year has been one of the best years ever for video game yeah. releases one of the worst years ever for people working in video games um, and I think that this is something that we don't talk about enough because I think that video games get stigmatized as like this kind of like throwaway hobby or whatever. Um, when in actuality, the video game industry itself is worth uh, much more than film, yeah. books, well, it's, television it's way combined. It, well, it is, but also like on an economic level, yeah. I mean, they literally bring in more money yeah. 
than film, books, television combined. Yeah. Um, it, it is a massive dominating industry that we we overlook because it is written off as like to stigmatize like this is what young children do or whatever video games you know they're gonna rot your brain exactly yeah yeah yeah. when in actuality it is a very much an artistic thing and an economic powerhouse and also a rising sport (laughs) yeah uh so there's there's a lot of stuff to be said there but anyway um uh, gamesindustry.biz is a website that publishes a lot of very direct, flat, even-handed material about the way the video games industry is moving up and down. Um, specifically this year, there have been an incredible number of layoffs, even though most of these companies have had record profits. Uh, and it's the most devastating thing uh, to see that journalists losing their jobs, developers losing their jobs, uh, public relations people, marketing people, it, it's incredibly sad to see um but it's a good part of that has part of that impacts the writing um Mm -hmm. like book industry too yeah because with journalists and and reviewers it's being they're they're being like replaced by ai oh yeah and so that's a big issue that the book world is is experiencing too the books are being put through an ai generator there's a big lawsuit right now Mm um because the if books are put through an AI generator, then AIs learn how to write better books. Right. And the exact same thing is happening in the game world. Yep. If if you put a game through an AI and then you put articles through AI, the AI is going to learn, this is the review for this game. And you don't need people for that anymore, unfortunately. Right, yeah. I mean, the quotes are there. You, didn't, it's, it's you moving, don't need people. <laughs> it's moving in that direction, for yeah. sure. And it's a depressing development, but... Yeah, I definitely recommend that site in particular if you care about that. Um, I think that uh, currently there's been 6,000 layoffs uh, since the beginning of 2023, which may not seem like a lot, but... But considering that there have been like large blockbuster hit games this yeah. year, I don't want to hear yeah. any of that. Yeah, Bungie. Yeah. Bungie in particular is a big company that, like, they you know they they put out uh, Destiny. They've they worked on like Halo. They've worked on like all these major franchises. Uh, they make a ton of money. Epic Games, Fortnite, one of the mm-hmm. biggest video games ever. Uh, both of those companies have had massive layoffs where they've cut huge percentages of their people after putting them through multiple weeks, if not months, of mandatory overtime. And deadlines. Right, because they didn't see that they met what they considered to be their new quota for, uh, you know, sales and and, uh, productivity. So, anyway, that's a sad one. Here's the more positive one. Uh, Writer's Digest has a list, uh, literally uh, called List of Book Fairs and Book Festivals by State. Um, and they list them out. Uh, it lets you know uh, in your state if there's book fairs or book festivals that you can go to. After we went to Y'all Fest. Spoiler, there's not one for North Carolina. What? Yeah, I looked through it when I was looking for more festivals. Oh, well, that's depressing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. But Virginia, Georgia, Tennessee, Maryland. Yeah. Which is South Carolina. Okay, so that's a little bit ridiculous because my my university that I went to does a literary festival. Yeah, you would think it would be on there. Yeah, I'm assuming it's not a comprehensive But it's a very good website. Right. I found another one that I want to go to. 
That's right. how I found y'all first. Oh, okay. I didn't even, um, I'm I pretty, didn't know like, that, 99% sure I found it through that site. Right. But I wanted to bring that up because we had such a good experience yeah. going to this festival. And we both talked about how it, like, felt wrong that it was, like, free. Yeah. We were at the panels and we're like, we feel like we should be paying for this. Yeah, and I would, it felt good. but I don't yeah. want them to charge. Right. Um, which is great. I mean, because yeah. it's a lot of young people, you know. Yeah. But Not everybody can pay for it. Yeah. So, I... Anyway, I just wanted to throw that one out there because I think that that's a really good resource if you're looking to actually go meet um, some authors and maybe meet some other people that care about books um, on the similar same level that you do. So, yep. all right. so um, I think that I think that's all we got to say. We just yeah. need to plug some stuff. <laughs> yeah, this one this one ran a little bit long, uh, oh. a little bit more than usual. Not much. Okay. We're good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're, we're going to have a special episode out. We've been kind of like tiptoeing around it this entire episode, but we'll have a special episode out about y'all fest, um, that we went to where we kind of break down our experiences and give some recommendations of books that we learned about there and stuff that we're interested in. Um, so that one should be out, uh, at the same time, if not right around the right. same time of this one within, within a few days of it yeah, for, for sure. sure. If not the same day. We want to do it while we're still fresh. Yeah, for sure. Um, but, um, we're also very exhausted coming off of that festival and getting back to work and Some stuff. Some of us so. than others. Yeah, I'm falling asleep right now. <laughs> no, but, um, but yeah, we, um, we'll definitely have that episode up pretty soon. Um, and we really appreciate you listening to this one and, kind of catching up with us on our mid-month progress on tbr and how we're doing with our books and hopefully you got some good recommendations out of this one and maybe i'll have some more books finished by the end of the month that way i can give some more like comprehensive stuff well i know you will uh that's no doubt um you have this oh i'm reading black i didn't i didn't mention it i'm reading black sun like that's the one that i'm kind of struggling to get into okay just throwing that out there no but i'm gonna get it Okay. I'm going to power through like I did Malice. Yeah, yeah. You'll get through it. You'll get through it for sure. Um, so we can be found at um, TalkBookie on Instagram. Both mm-hmm. of our Goodreads are linked there as well. We have an email. TalkBookie at gmail.com. A, our Goodreads is Goodreads.com backslash Marie and backslash ATCole1400. Please send us emails. Yeah, I, I would love to. I don't know. Just send me a recommendation. Right. Take a picture of a book you want me to talk about. I'll figure it out. Right. Right. <laughs> um, and then also like us, like like our things on Instagram because I post all the time. <laughs> Please like us. Please like us. Oh, we're also officially on Apple. Yeah. And um, Google Podcasts. Yeah, whatever that's called now, because it's going to be phased oh, out within yeah. the year. Um, oh, is it? It's going to be like YouTube, you said. I think I think they're consolidating into like YouTube podcasts. Yeah, we can yeah. be found most places you listen to podcasts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't most want to say them. all because most I'm sure there are some out there that I don't know about. And and to be clear, um, from what I understand about podcasting stuff, um, Apple podcast reviews go a very long way. So if you do listen to this on Apple Podcasts or you do have access to Apple Podcasts in some way, please like us. Leave, leave <laughs> us a review and a like or like a, a rating there. Yeah. Because apparently that one, the algorithm much more favors uh, Star reviews and stuff like that there so yeah like spotify doesn't quite do like starring they do subscribing right. and that's important too so i would of really course, love it if you subscribe course. so you know when we ever when we put out our next podcast mm-hmm. um but yeah 
the number one thing is just if you enjoy it, just enjoy just it. Like however it. you do, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you are comfortable with, right. uh, just I'm just glad that you listen, and Absolutely. you know, hopefully, you got some good recommendations, and you enjoy hearing us go on our random tangents and discussions about these things. So, but this is our last podcast before Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. so I just wanted to say th- happy Thanksgiving, and uh, this year I'm thankful that you guys listen. Of course, yeah, it's very emotional. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> But we will. Uh, I can cry on command. Yeah, oh, that's good. <laughs> uh, we'll be we'll be back at the end of the month um, for our wrap up of the month. Um, kind of give some more reviews, maybe more comprehensive looks at some books that we've read, um, and also uh, probably just like kind of tease the next month that which we're going we haven't into. figured out yet. Yeah, yeah, we're still going to work <laughs> on that. Uh, but we'll be back at the end of the month. Again, really appreciate you listening. And uh, yeah, like, subscribe, follow, all of that stuff. Send us emails um, and we will see you soon. Talk to you soon. We'll talk to you. We're not going to see them. We won't see them. Yeah. Yeah. We'll I mean, unless we know them personally. Yeah. yeah. Okay, anyways, bye. Bye. <laughs>